organizations are not the same and you can't just take what works at one organization and impose it on another and hope that it works out well. Hello, welcome to the Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Each episode, we bring you a conversation with leaders across the healthcare industry, exploring topics ranging from new treatment techniques and interventions to novel service delivery methods and business models. And now your host, Rafi Salazar from Rehab U Practice Solutions, a leader in patient engagement and retention strategy. Let's explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Well, hello again. Welcome to another episode of the Better Outcomes Show. I'm your host, Rafi Salazar with RehabUPracticeSolutions.com. And this week, we are doing the follow-up for the podcast episode that we did a couple weeks ago about recruitment and retention and um, all of that kind of stuff, feeling burnt out and engaged as a practice owner. And I mentioned that I had a conversation with the practice owner and what we ended up talking about or where the conversation ended up drifting into was building a culture at your organization. So this is the follow-up to that. Um, I think when I was recording this, talk about technical issues and technical difficulties, the uh, recorder uh, cut off (laughs) near the end there. We got all four points, but I'll lay them out for you. Basically communicating higher purpose, uh, pushing or challenging your team, giving everyone a common goal or enemy, and then ongoing action items and tasks. So we cover all four of those, or I get to all four of those, and I'll try to expand on a couple of the points that were probably missed when the recorder cut off (laughs) at the end. But I think this is a very important topic to consider, especially as we're heading into 2023 or a new year. I always like to take, at the time of this recording anyways, it's the week before Christmas, it's December 19th, uh, 2022. So for all intents and purposes, much of the business things that we're doing are slowing down, right? There might be a couple deals here or there that we're trying to work out, maybe a few um, projects that we're wrapping up, but there's not a big heavy marketing push or anything like that basically because everybody's checked out for the holidays now, right? Um, So it's a good time to just take stock of what you've got going on at your organization and your clinic and begin placing the, the, putting the pieces in place for the upcoming year, right? So this is something that I've been talking about with some of my clients, been talking about it with the team here at the clinic that I run about what the next year is gonna look like for us as a team, as an organization, for my clients' team, for their organizations. Speaking of organizations and culture, I've got folks, I don't know if you can hear them in the background, (laughs) in the upstairs here by the podcast studio. So anyways, um, they've got things going on, planning the next year, and especially if you're in a situation where it's been hard to recruit people or you're trying to find and add more members to your team to do certain jobs, it can be a good time to just take stock of everything that's going on, what has worked in the past, what hasn't worked in the past, things you'd like to change and things you'd like to improve upon as you begin moving forward. So especially if you're in a position like our team is a proactive or at some of my clients' organizations where they're beginning to expand into other areas, service offerings, delivery methods, all of that kind of thing, 
it can be very helpful. Well, it's almost critical to have a team that has circled the wagons, so to speak, or that is on the same page singing from the same song sheet. And the reality is I've always thought this too. Uh, I read this in a book one time. Uh, David Baker wrote the book. It's an old book. I don't even know if it's still in print, but it's called Managing Right for the First Time. And he ran, at the time of his writing, he was uh, running a creative organization, so a marketing firm, essentially. And one of the things he says in the book, which makes just made a whole lot of sense to me the first time I heard it, and it's stuck with me really throughout much of my career. Um, I think I told him uh, on LinkedIn, on a, he put a post about uh, managing and leading others, and I told him that this book basically... Uh, had a great influence on the way that I manage people, the way that I consult and advise clients, my viewpoint on management in general. But basically what he said was in 20 years, uh, the clients that you work for, the patients that you work for in this case, they might remember your name. They might remember a little bit about how you made them feel, um, but they're not going to really remember what you did, how you did it, the ins and outs. You're not going to make that big of an impact. Um, now obviously in healthcare, we have the ability to make real and meaningful impacts on our clients and our patients' lives. So I don't want to discount that, but the people that you really have an outsized impact and influence over are the people that you manage, the team that you lead, those people that you mentor, coach, um, guide through their early stages of their career. If you're hiring new grads or, um, provide a, a plateau or a, a, a nice landing place for individuals who are mid-career in order to take the next step in their career, whatever it is, the people that you spend eight or more hours a day with in the clinic or um, around the office are going to have more of an impact on you and you're going to have more of an impact on them than you would on any client that you have. And taking that into account and that viewpoint of this is not just a transactional work relationship, much the same way that I don't believe that healthcare engagements or patient encounters are transactional in nature. Neither is the employment team building aspect of it either, right? For the most part, we're not one and done interactions with our team members. We're always working together. We're in the, in the office together. So that being said, it can either be a very positive thing in your life or a very negative thing in your life. I remember going through when I was at the Department of Veterans Affairs, we had an issue that came up between um, a couple departments and we were all one team and one service line, but there were a couple like sub departments in that service line and something happened. I don't even remember what, that's how petty it was, I'm sure. And it ended up being this huge deal that made life miserable. And we ended up losing a couple good physical therapists, a couple occupational therapists off the team simply because they didn't want to be around such a toxic environment. And the same thing can hold true and happens more often than not in private practices and the like. So part of establishing a workplace where people want to come and work involves kind of understanding this dynamic that we're not in this as a merely transactional relationship. So everything that we do when it comes to hiring, when it comes to communicating what we're looking for in staff, when it comes to pushing and challenging our team members, when it comes to new initiatives and new uh, strategic decisions that we're going to make at the organization, all of that plays a role in the culture, in the environment of the clinic, of the business. So um, hopefully this provides a little bit of 
context about some of my thinking about this subject, but also kind of gives you some, um, maybe some ideas to ponder as you begin thinking about maybe making that next hire in 2023, or as you begin kind of taking stock of the, the last 12 months in review and things you want to change, things you need to change, things you'd like to improve upon. And maybe the, one of these four topics that I cover in this in this podcast here will kind of help you kind of clarify your thinking around it too. Um, I think the biggest one, the foundational piece, obviously, is the the communicating the higher purpose. I think that that is the foundation for good marketing, good recruitment, retention, good employee engagement. It all f- starts with communicating that higher purpose throughout all levels of the organization because that's going to attract the type of people you want to work with in the long run and it's going to repel those people that you don't want to work with or that don't whose vision doesn't align with that of yours and your organization so anyways without further ado here's um, four things that private practice owners can do to build a strong culture in their clinic or business hey there rafi salazar from rehab you practice solutions here and this is the follow-up podcast and video from, well, a couple weeks ago when I mentioned that we would be talking about culture and building a team and what we can do as practice and clinic owners to kind of rally the troops, if you would. So this came about because of a conversation I had with a practice owner about a month or so ago about retention and hiring and all that kind of stuff. And you can go back and listen to that podcast as well. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, and we talked about a lot of things, what to do if you're burnt out running your practice. And that, that was kind of the focus of the last episode where I talked a little bit about some of the things we can do as clinicians and practice owners um, if we just feel like we're just not engaged in the practice anymore. So go check that out. This week, I want to talk about building a culture. Now, I've seen this done at big organizations like the Department of Veterans Affairs, across state agencies and departments, and kind of big government bureaucratic systems, all the way down to small private practices, and uh, and mainly just because of the the work and the nature of my work as a consultant over the last several years, since 2017 or so, I've just had the opportunity to work with varying sizes or, or organizations of varying sizes. So. What I'm going to share with you is really just some patterns and some kind of high-level ideas, how they might work for your practice and your um, your organization might be a little different, just given your own circumstances and stuff like that. The Much the same way that I believe patients are not the same, we can't use cookie-cutter treatment plans. Um, organizations are not the same, and you can't just take what works at one organization and impose it on another and hope that it works out well. However, there are some overarching principles, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So I've got a list of really four things um, that we can, that practice owners can do. So um, myself, I run a practice. There's seven or eight clinicians, a couple admin staff, a couple VAs, and um, this is some of the stuff that I've implemented at my practice. I'm, I might use some of the examples from my practice, but again, your your organization might vary. And then these are also principles that I've used at other client organizations that I've worked with and worked on, primarily around uh, building integrated clinical teams and um, the marketing and business engine for, for businesses and uh, private practices and that sort of thing. So let's dive right in. The, the four 
um, four main things that we can do to build a strong culture, particularly in frontline healthcare. Like I'm thinking primarily um, outpatient uh, physical therapy practices or something like that, where you've got uh, patients coming in. This also works um, for departments within hospitals and even the hospital system themselves. Um, really, some of this stuff is kind of high level and, and works across many businesses and sectors. Um, some of this stuff is, is pretty universal. So the first one is we want to communicate a higher purpose to the team. Um, number two is we want to push or challenge that team in achieving some sort of um, end or goal. Uh, three is give everybody a common a common goal or enemy. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. And then the fourth one is some kind of ongoing uh, action items. So starting very high level and then moving all the way down to the, what do we do tactically in staff meetings and, and team meetings and how can we make sure that people are engaged throughout the day-to-day -day process as well. And that's kind of what number four is, the, the ongoing action items and, and tasks and stuff like that. Let's start with number one, communicating higher purpose. So um, this gets talked about a lot. And sometimes, I, I think I even mentioned this on the last, that podcast that I was talking about being engaged. A lot of times, at least in my op opinion and experience, the times that I've sat through seminars or um, even had consultants come in and work with my organization or other consultants working in organizations that were my clients, a lot of the talk around higher purpose and mission, vision, values and all that kind of stuff tends to be very, very superficial. And it sets a very high and and nice and pretty slogan or something that you can put on a wall or put on your cards, but it really doesn't translate to much else. So what I mean when I say we need to communicate our higher purpose to our, our organization and our team with the, with the end goal of building a strong culture is that we're, we're actually talking about a culture shift. We're not talking about just having a higher purpose or mission that we talk about. We are talking about establishing the foundation for all the business decisions, the management decisions that get made, the marketing decisions that get made. Um, the, the, a clear example would be areas of expansion or growth. So we have an article that I've written on the website. I think it's called What Next? Planning your expansion or something, positioning your clinic for growth and expansion. I'll link to that in the show notes. Um, but one of the big components is there are three components of when you decide I'm going to go open up a clinic over here. I might d uh, develop a new service offering or a new program. And those three components are um, your clinical expertise, or your scope of practice, like what can I do? What, what are we good at doing? Um, the, the second is the market need or demand. Is there anybody providing a similar service in the area? Is it too uh, competitive of a space to try to branch into now? Or is there a lot of runway? And then the third one is, does this fit in line with our mission, our vision, our values, or the higher purpose of the organization? And when you begin making decisions about the business, um, you need to have that guidepost, if you would, that sets the course and sets the agenda for all the tactical decisions that get made. So a good example would be, I worked with a client one time and she had, she ran a private practice. There were, I don't know, 10 or 11 uh, clinicians and she got into the, into the tight spot, if you would, of having 
a machine that she had to feed. She had this giant thing she had grown. The patients that were, were driving up in her clinical area of specialty, the, the, with a comp- the core component of which she built her business around. And so she was looking at, I need to expand, I need to grow, I need to develop some kind of service offering in order to, to keep the clinicians that I have hired now, I have to give them work to do, all right? So um, her entire area of focus up until the point where I came on the scene was she had been doing primarily hand therapy, so pretty specialized work, um, upper extremity rehabilitation. And recently she had gotten like a couple referrals here and there from some pediatricians who had a child or something that had like a distal radius fracture or something like that. And she ended up getting a few referrals for orthopedic and upper extremity uh, cases for pediatric children or pediatric uh, clients. So she started seeing them, started doing pretty well with that. And then she ended up getting a lot of ancillary referrals from these pediatricians for sensory motor integration, uh, sensory processing, developmental delays, uh, preschool screenings, all kinds of stuff. You know, when you get in with one of those specialties or like a pediatrician's office, like the floodgates open sometimes, you get all kinds of disparate um, disparate uh, referrals and consults that might not be necessarily in your area of specialization. So her entire business was built around upper extremity, orthopedics, hand therapy, all her messaging, her marketing, her higher purpose was even um, something about allowing people to overcome their pain and and get back to doing whatever it was. I can't remember the exact messaging, but it was something along the lines of um, we're making people with with arm and hand dysfunctions get better. I mean, they were like the hand or shoulder to hand clinic in their city. Well, now she's getting a bunch of referrals for uh, pediatrician from pediatricians for developmental delays and sensory motor integration. So she goes out and she organizes and buys the equipment and like sections off a part of her her clinic to be a developmental uh, gym or sensory gym and she has uh, pediatric clients coming in now and she was just getting stretched way way thin and her team now which was hired with the intent purpose of I want to specialize in this orthopedic upper extremity rehabilitation and now I'm getting pulled in to see uh, clients for like kids that are having problems with handwriting in school and I don't really care about doing any of that. Not that there's anything wrong, it was just she had hired people for a specific purpose and that purpose was helping people with shoulder to finger uh, dysfunctions get better and overcome their pain or limitations. And now she's pulling in this entire, almost a subspecialty and it caused some problems. Well, it caused problems on her marketing leg but then it also caused problems with her staff. There was some turnover because they didn't want to be doing that kind of work. Um, so communicating the higher purpose does two things. One, it ensures that the people that you're attracting to your clinic, the, the staff, the clinical, uh, personnel, um, you're attracting the type of people that resonate with that purpose and that want to see that mission through. But then also by constantly reiterating it, it's keeping yourself and or management. If you've got managers below you it keeps yourself and your managers, kind of the administrative team of the organization on the same path. So whenever there's a decision about, do we do we follow this opportunity or that opportunity, it always gets checked with, well, what's the higher purpose or the mission? And if it doesn't fall in line with that, even if there's a great opportunity there, we don't do it because part of, part of picking that mission, part of picking that 
purpose is, is a strategic decision and strategy ultimately is an exercise in saying no sometimes. You need to say no so that your yes actually means something. Um, so number one, communicate that higher purpose and communicate it often, not only to decision makers like managers and administrators, but also to new hires and interns and people that are working in the organization because they're ultimately making decisions as well, In the especially in patient care when it comes to what they do and don't do for clients and patients, what they do and don't recommend for clients and patients. We want to filter everything through this higher level strategic decision of what is the ultimate goal of the organization. So. Um, an example that, that I use is, is at Proactive, the clinic that I run, our, um, our higher purpose, our mission, if you would, is we want to empower patients to become drivers in their own healthcare. So what does that mean? That means that we view ourselves and the, the, the value that we provide to clients and patients, not so much being the technical skills, the hands-on stuff, but our knowledge translation, our ability to take the vast knowledge that we have from our training and from education and bring it to bear on our client situation. So because that's the higher purpose, this idea of empowering and educating patients so that they can step into the role of the driver of their own healthcare, it means that we've done a few things and we've began branching into different areas for revenue diversification, but also that are just extensions of that higher purpose. So we have a YouTube channel and we, um, everybody on the, the team is required to develop some kind of educational content, whether it be a video or an article, we've developed educational products. Um, one of them is the, the Natural Runner Program, which is a, an eight-week evidence-based um, protocol and training plan for transitioning from conventional running shoes to barefoot running shoes, which is kind of like a passion of mine. So it just has worked out. Um, we were able to kind of parlay it into the, into the overarching mission. But because our mission, our higher purpose, if you would, is to empower patients to become um, the agents of their own healthcare, the protagonists, if you would, in their own story, when we look at decisions from a business standpoint, um, we filter it through that. And does this article or does writing content or putting in, it, it is an investment, right? I'm paying people to do non-productive work, quote unquote. They could be treating patients, but instead we're, we're paying them to do some creation, some content creation. It absolutely falls in our higher purpose because our higher purpose is to educate and empower. So as long as the content we're creating is um, one, profitable, and two, meeting that higher purpose, then we're going to keep doing it, right? We're not going to go and, I don't know, invest a whole lot of money and time and effort on manual therapy techniques or manual therapy training for our clinicians because, again, ultimately we don't believe because of our higher purpose that that's our role. Our role is to educate, empower, and to encourage patients to become the drivers instead of having to come in and rely on passive treatments. Not that we don't do passive treatments, but that's not the focus of our of our practice and our service delivery. So all the things we do, the in-clinic services we, we provide, the educational content we provide, our telehealth and remote and virtual service delivery offerings that we've developed over the last couple of years has all been driven by this mission, if you would, to let people become the protagonists of their own recovery story. So that's just an example of how we've used it at our clinic 
to to spearhead and to make everybody engage. You know, the the team is engaged about creating content. We have meetings about content and what's going on and what's the next project we're working on. And it's all because we're we're all on the same page about educating and empowering patients. Um, the second task or the second thing that you can do, which kind of falls under and kind of builds on this idea of higher purpose, communicating the higher purpose, is to push and challenge the team. So um, I'm a big believer in the idea that if you're not growing or if, if you're stagnating, you're dying. Um, maybe not from a business standpoint, but from a like a engagement in your work and feeling fulfilled in the work that you do, you definitely begin losing energy and engagement as you stagnate or you know regress. So um, what we do and what we try to do is we tr- we should be encouraging our uh, clinicians to grow their skills in whatever specialty area that they're in or that we are in, right? So um, a good example might be somebody that uh, that first client that I was talking about that was uh, shoulder to fingertips and she had a lot of uh, effort and marketing and her mission was about becoming the the upper extremity uh, go-to place. Well, odds are she had hired a lot of clinicians who were interested in that area of specialization. That's why they would have taken the job, right? So one of the things you can do or one of the things she could do um, is challenge her team to grow in that area. Maybe it's providing opportunities for continuing education. Maybe it's encouraging mentoring and or training for something like the CHT exam or the certified hand therapy exam um, or an OCS, like an orthopedic clinical specialty exam or test or something like that. Because while the organization's mission is very important and it's what kind of attracts people to, to the calling, if you would, and gets them on board on the ship, we need to give them something that's going to make them engage as well. And there's a, a big component of that is professional and personal development. So um, we do have and we've had people come to our clinic simply because of our area of practice and they want to grow in XYZ skill and that's why they're here. So we try to provide them opportunities to do that so that they're engaged, so that they're seeing the types of patients they want to see, so that they're growing in the area of specialization that they want to grow in. Um, and then you can also challenge the team. So as, again, you find the, the strategic higher purpose, um, and maybe that means you're expanding into a, maybe a, a diversification of revenue here or some kind of project over here. A lot of times those expansions or those programmatic developments require things of, of professionals, right? It's a challenge. They need to develop new skills or new training or new um, ways of looking at work and life and the, the way healthcare is delivered, even if you're going, going really bad and re- really trying to innovate. Um, and that brings out the best in people a lot of times. Uh, providing a challenge, a worthy challenge to a, to a staff member, to a clinician, is going to make them engage. So once you communicate that higher purpose, then push and challenge your people to make themselves better so that the organization achieves that purpose or achieves that mission. Um, and again, then you're, you're, you're mitigating any risk of, the, of your team kind of getting on board behind the mission and then falling off because they're, they themselves personally or professionally become disengaged or, or feel stagnant. 
Um, number three is kind of in line with that, but give them a common goal or common enemy. So um, Simon Sinek writes about this a lot in one of his books. Um, maybe it's Leaders Eat Last, but this idea that um, the entire world is uh, dangerous and we as a species have kind of grouped together in communities and in groups for the primary purpose of not just belonging, but also protection and safety and security. There's security in numbers. You know, we don't have uh, sharp claws, thick fur, big teeth. You know, we couldn't prehistorically, we couldn't fight off um, predators unless we were all together. And a lot of those um, ingrained biological drives, if you would, are still present today. So we do need to think about how we can, as organizational leaders, practice owners, practice managers, circle the wagons, if you would, or get everybody on the team focused on a common goal and or enemy. So sometimes it could be something like, listen, guys, we are headed into um, a recession or, you know, one of our big competitors just opened up a clinic down the road from us and we have a couple options here. We can all try to try to beat each other out um, for patients and for uh, productivity or, or whatever, for scheduled hours or whatever it is. Um, but let's circle the wagons together and see how we can, as a team, get out of this together. So again, um, it doesn't necessarily need to be in a time of crisis. It could be the common goal. It could be like, okay, our higher purpose, our higher mission is to empower patients to become drivers of their own healthcare. Let's pick a goal. Like what is a project that we can work on that's going to shore up the business that might um, bring in some more money, help us all rise together. A rising tide lifts all ships, right? Um, that's still in line with the purpose. So it doesn't necessarily have to be like, oh man, let's circle the wagons because danger is coming. But danger is a pretty good motivator for folks. Um, if you have a threat on the horizon, odds are you're gonna be able to get your team to pull behind um, your organization and your leadership um, in that time. Because again, if the options are losing their potentially losing the job and becoming unemployed or being quote unquote out there on their own, um, that's not a good prospect for anybody. So they're going to pitch in and try to help out. So um, give your team a common goal and when appropriate, a common enemy, you know, especially if um, we are, this is 2022 heading into 2023 right now at the time of this recording. And there's a lot of predictions coming in for the first quarter and uh, quarter or two of 2023 being a pretty bleak, <laughs> a bleak economic outlook for um, for the U.S. economy anyways, for the global economy. And people are talking about the layoffs, you know, Meta or Facebook laid off 11,000 people, Google's laying off people, Amazon is laying off people. These big giant organizations that have more money than the government are laying off employees. And that just breeds, even though, you know, we're not tech companies right now, um, we're in the service industry and delivering healthcare. Um, there are technologies that are coming into the forefront as well that are making people a little bit uh, worried. And then the cost reductions that have to happen because of um, insurance payers and all that, there's all this downward pressure, right? Um, we are heading into a time where people are just uncertain about the future from an economic standpoint. Are we going to hit a recession? Am I going to be able to pay my mortgage next month? Um, um, am I going to lose my job? Are there going to be layoffs? And this might be the time for you as an organizational leader, as a clinic leader, a clinic manager or owner to, to kind of like call your team together and say, listen, you know, I know what y'all are feeling and I know that it, it looks bleak out there and we don't know what the next six months might hold. Um, but 
you know, we're going to try to take care of each other and we're going to circle the wagons here. And sure, maybe there might be some some decisions that management has to make um, from a standpoint of hours or pay or benefits or, or whatever it happens to be. But the reason we're doing it is not because we're trying to make extra money or we're trying to eke out some profit margin. It's because we're it's better for all of us to suffer a little bit than one of us to suffer a lot. Right. Um, and I've had that conversation with client organizations and with my own team at times been like, listen, um, we have to do this. We have to make this decision. And I know it's not what y'all want. Um, obviously I'd like to pay everybody as much as they want to be paid, um, for working as little as they want to work, but we just, we don't live in that world. We don't live in that economy. So we're making decisions in a way that hopefully is keeping, obviously keeping the organization afloat so that we can provide, continue to provide jobs for everybody, but also taking care of our people and our team, even if that means management takes a cut as well or something like that. And, and sometimes giving that team the co- that common goal or this idea of being taken care of and safety and trust means that you need to do or make some kind of gesture like that, right? Like we're all going to suffer a little bit together so that the team is taken care of. And if you do that right, you're going to have a team that trusts one another, that is engaged, that feels like they belong to something bigger than themselves and are not simply looking out for their own interests at times, right? So... Hopefully that helps. And then the fourth, um, the fourth thing on my list here is just ongoing discussion, action items, and tasks. So again, if you think about these things building on top of each other, you have the higher purpose that sets the strategic vision. Um, we're pushing and challenging the team in areas for that vision. Um, we're giving them a common goal. We're showing them that we're taking care of them. Um, the last thing is we just want to keep make it practical. We want to keep reiterating that um, in staff meetings. We want to have practical steps and action items that are being um, come up with or developed at every staff meeting that are then carried over again and again and again. So for example, maybe it is you're developing a new service area or expanding into another practice location or another practice area even, another area of clinical specialization you have the discussion at your staff meeting about it. You assign responsibilities throughout the team, okay? You know, John, you're in charge of developing the Performa for this. And Susie, you're in charge of coming up with some of the um, promotional ideas, whatever it happens to be. You go around and everybody gets an action item. And then you meet again in a couple weeks or next week or whenever you've decided that your next staff meeting is gonna be. And you hold people accountable to that. You say, okay, John, you were supposed to develop the Performa for our new clinic that's opening up uh, across town. What do you got for us so far? What are your projections? What do you think? Um, Susie, you're, you're in charge of developing the promotions for it. You know, what, ideas, what ideas do you have? Um, and it does, this does two things. One, um, it keeps those individuals engaged, right? If they have something they're working on, it keeps them account- accountable so you know the, the end result is going to happen. We're all working towards it. And then also what it does is it gives them uh, gives the team ownership in what's going on, right? No longer is it um, Rafi's idea that he's pushing upon the whole team and we're just kind of dragging everybody along. It's you know proactive in my case. Proactive's mission and vision and values are strategic objectives, and this is my role to play in achieving those, right? So it's much more of a different view than um, Rafi's telling me that I need to develop content, as an example, right? So hopefully that helped a little bit. Um, again, 
this is one of those things that is very high level, but can be very practical. You just need to make sure that what you're doing lines up with your own mission, vision, value, your organization, right? This is not one of those plug and play things. You can't take what clinic ABC is doing down the road to build their team and build their uh, culture at their clinic and uh, employ it you know, verbatim or wrote onto your clinic and expect something similar to happen because you're bringing a different group of people, one, but then also your that original strategic decision, right? You have that mission, that vision, that value. Um, the end goal is going to be different or should be different anyway. <laughs> anyways. Um, so you're going to need to build all of this around your own specific uh, higher purpose for your organization. And it might be one of those things that um, the higher purpose, especially for privately held uh, clinics like physical therapy clinics and uh, occupational therapy clinics, chiropractors even, a lot of times for small businesses like uh, like private clinics, the higher purpose really ends up growing out of the, the founder or the, the owner's uh, higher purpose and the vision, right? So like an example is, again, not to talk too much about proactive and what we've got going on, but proactive rehabilitation wellness, which is the clinic that I run. I got into healthcare primarily because um, and I've said this before on different podcasts and interviews, I got into healthcare because, and specifically occupational therapy, because when I was um, right before a senior year in high school, I fell and lacerated, it was this hand, lacerated my um, flexor pollicis longus and my left hand and some nerves as well. I'm not gonna go too nerdy into it, but uh, I ended up in a Kleinert splint, ended up uh, status post uh, flexor tendon repair, which meant that for the balance of the summer before my senior year and into my senior year, um, I was in an OT clinic, in a hand therapy clinic for you know, a couple times a week for the balance of the year and into the into the following year. So that experience radically changed me. Um, and it made me want to help other people who had overcome or who had experienced those injuries overcome them. So that's kind of what drove me into occupational therapy. And then being involved in the VA and then doing some of the consulting that I did with the state, I just really saw kind of the breakdown in big bureaucratic healthcare organizations taking away um, the agency of, of patients coming to their clinic and patients feeling like they don't have a choice, that they are disempowered by the healthcare system. So when I was consulting and when I was deciding, okay, I'm going to buy a clinic and or, or start a clinic, start a practice, it grew out of this desire and this purpose that I found within myself and the work that I have done in the healthcare system to build an organization that empowers people, right? Instead of, um, instead of an organization that is just like every other healthcare clinic that you know, tells the patients what to do or what they need to do and sends them on their way. I wanted, I wanted an organization that put the person receiving care at the center and built everything around them. So that idea, that mission, that purpose, if you would, grew out of my experience as a healthcare a provider and a consultant and a professor. And now, because we've got the team, we've got everything in place, proactive rehabilitation wellness mission still is that same thing, but it's because of, you know, it's something that I came up with. It's really driven by me. And, you know, maybe there's a time in the future where 
it's grown enough or the organization has grown and there's different layers of management and all that, where communicating that to frontline staff becomes more difficult. Um, so there's going to have to be systems in place to continue to communicate that mission, that vision, that values. So that's all that is to say that as a small private practice owner that might have a location or two locations or three or four locations, you know, you're smaller. You're not a big healthcare organization like um, a big medical system that's got hospitals and outpatient clinics and inpatient clinics and subacute and all that kind of stuff. You have a whole lot of control over that strategic objective over that higher purpose and how you communicate that. So what you should do or what you should think about doing as a practice owner, practice manager is explore that and really for yourself, think about what is driving me as the business owner, as a practice owner to do this in the first place. How do I craft a a higher purpose or how do I put that into words so that it is communicable so that other people understand it? Because once you have that in place, that rallying cry, if you would, then it becomes much easier to hire staff, to train them, to onboard them, to help them make decisions because they're going to understand that. So um, perfect example, I just got a um, an application submitted on one of our, our sites here at the clinic or one of our pages at the, at the clinic for a clinician. And what they said in there in the email and the cover letter was that, you know, I was looking for a job. I'm going to be a new grad here in the next little bit. And I read your website, watched the, a couple of videos about how you view healthcare, and it really resonated with me. And I want to be part of that mission. Well, great. You know, like we're <laughs> that's wonderful. Now we've got a candidate that's in the pool that we might be able to pull in soon. Um, and it's all because we're communicating that at every level of the organization. So. Um, not to make a super big plug for myself and the services that we provide, but Rehab You Practice Solutions as part of our Ultimate Patient Experience Blueprint. We've actually broken this up and done this component of the blueprint by itself with organizations. So that's where the uh, video cut off, trying to figure out technology still. But anyways, what I was talking about at the end there was just some of the work that we've done with with clients about and around really recruitment retention, but focusing on that starting from the purpose and then using that purpose in the recruitment messages and the marketing messages on the website, on patient facing material, obviously, but then also a clinician and staff facing or prospective candidate facing material because we live in a world, at least I believe we live in a world very soon where the mission of an organization or the purpose behind its running or its existence is going to play a much higher role than previously in um, in selecting it specifically um, staff members and team members who have those advanced degrees and are a, a clinical in nature, right? Um, with some of the changes going on in healthcare, some of the big, negative things that we see in the news and payers changing this, that, and the other, um, and big giant corporations that are moving more towards, uh, that haven't, that aren't moving more towards, but have become more industrialized in nature. Clinician burnout is huge. Um, looking for something different, an alternative is getting, it's been something that's kind of been on the wings for the last five, six years, and now it's really starting to take 
um, take root. I'd give lectures every now and then at the university um, in the OT department. And because of that, I'm in and around and hearing some new grads come through and some students and talking about things. And even the professors, some of my former colleagues at the university were telling me, man, it just over the last probably year and a half, two years, the number of students inquiring about non-traditional or um, alternative career paths with a clinical license or a clinical degree is going through the roof. And I think part of that is because they're looking at the healthcare system, the healthcare environment, the work environment, and they don't want to be a big a, a cog in a big machine that's kind of just running along through checklists and kind of standard operating procedures and all that. They want some meaningful work. So especially as somebody who runs a small business, you know, I'm not <clears throat> I'm not able to compete on salary or benefits the same way like a big giant healthcare system can. The only thing that I've got as a clinic owner as a as a team leader really to attract people is that higher purpose so that when it comes down to selecting a job at an organization that might ha- might have some benefits that we aren't just aren't able to provide because of our resources or us the tipping point i believe in the future over the next several years is going to be that component of higher purpose or mission driven organizations and the the small businesses the small independent privately held uh, practices that are able to communicate that mission that purpose to both patients that are going to be coming in the door but also prospective employees and team members are going to get a leg up where it wasn't necessarily possible before because the employment environment in healthcare is shifting and there are people that are that work with clinical licenses that are tired of running people through the mill that are burnt out in their job and their role and are going to be looking for something that provides a little bit more meaning and if we as practice owners are able to communicate that effectively we're going to be able to attract some of those uh, clinicians because my way of looking at it is I've seen some really good clinicians, like rock solid clinicians, good clinical educators, just technically skilled clinicians that are leaving the field because they're getting burned out. And it's such a loss for the profession. It's a loss for patients. It's a loss for the healthcare system because they're not, they're not providing the services that they're providing. They're not achieving those outcomes for their patients anymore. Um, and it's because they're getting burnt out in this healthcare system kind of this numbers focused healthcare system so if you're able to communicate a higher purpose and a mission that attracts those individuals that gets them onto your team not only are you you know improving your own organization by adding to the the culture and the capabilities of your team but you're also keeping this really good clinician in um in practice and that's kind of one of those things that like you're not going to make giant, huge, um, earth-shattering changes that are going to totally uh, uproot the healthcare industry, the healthcare system. But as I mentioned on on one of the podcasts I was on recently, um, little wins, little wins. It's about making tiny, little incremental changes that have impacts on individual patients and individual clinicians and team members' lives. So that's all I've got to say about that. 
Um, if you like the show, head on over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. It helps people find the show. We are now putting these up on YouTube as well, the interviews and the solo casts and all that. Um, so you can head on over to rehabupracticesolutions.com. I think there's a link to the YouTube channel or go to YouTube and search rehabupracticesolutions.com. We've got a playlist for all of the full episodes, past episodes of The Better Outcome Show are getting uploaded now as we speak. I think we're getting cranking out a few a day that are getting up on that, um, the backlog of episodes that are getting up on, on YouTube. And then all the, the new ones that are coming out are gonna be video podcasts as well. So you'll be able to see see the guests, see the interaction, have some fun times. Um, and the book, the, the push for the book here. So Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare is now available and available on Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, wherever you buy your books online. Head on over to amazon.com, search for Better Outcomes, A Guide to Humanizing Healthcare. We have a paperback, a Kindle version, and there is a, a talk of doing the audible or audio version uh, sometime this month for hope, hopefully releasing it in early 2023. So keep an eye out for that. Um, and if you run a private uh, healthcare practice, primarily in the, in the allied health space, and you're looking for some help attracting, um, attracting clinical staff about getting solid on the mission, vision, values of your organization, about attracting, acquiring, and engaging and retaining clients for the long run, um, then check out what we do at Rehab You. I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, and I think that's it. That's all the self-promotion I'm going to do. So until the next time, everyone be safe, be healthy. I will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to The Better Outcome Show, where we explore the possibilities of a new healthcare. Our hope is that you walk away from each episode informed, equipped, and empowered to push the boundaries in your own practice or business. We want to give you the tools to help you build strong, long-lasting relationships with your patients and clients, helping meet their goals, improve their health, and achieve better outcomes. Learn more at www rehabupracticesolutions.com. We'll catch you on the next episode.